We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. This morning I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about the fact that the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you and me. You've heard that in song this morning. We're going to read it from Scripture, and I'll illustrate it to you time and time again from the Scripture today. So from Romans chapter 8, the New King James Version says these words, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Most of you know, if you've been here any length of time, I love the message translation. And this is the way it says it from verse verse 11 of Romans 8. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the live and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. Did you hear that? Let me say it one more time. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the live and present God who raised Jesus from the dead, moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. Bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, as he does and surely does in Jesus, you're delivered from the dead life with the spirit living in you, and your body will be as alive as Christ. Oh, I love those passages of Scripture. They bring hope, they bring assurance, they bring confidence into our life. It allows us to know that no matter where we're at, what we're facing, regardless of what we've encountered, there is a greater power that comes from heaven that infuses the life of the believer and enables us to walk in victory and conquering every obstacle that comes our way. The same power that infused Jesus Christ, the same power that breathed life back into that dead body, now lives in every one of you who claim him as your Lord and as your Savior. I don't know about you, that kind of excites me. I know it's Easter and I'm supposed to be calm, but that kind of excites me. It excites me to think that I serve a Savior who lived, who died, but on Sunday morning, he rose again from the dead. And he's no longer dead, but he is alive. You do realize Christianity is the only form of religion that doesn't worship in a graveyard, that doesn't celebrate at a tomb, that doesn't go back and mark some place in history where their leader died, but we celebrate a risen Savior. We're not worshiping at a tomb this morning. He is alive, and the same power that raised him from the dead now lives in you and me. Oh my goodness, folks, that's a truth that ought to set you on fire. When I began thinking about this message several weeks ago, began studying, I came across the physics equation for power. It's in your outline this morning. In in physics, to determine power, it's work divided by time. And we're going to define work as energy, because that's the way to define it in physics. So in order to find power, you take work or energy and divide that by time. Now, here's the premise I want you to carry out. If you don't hear anything else I say, remember this. The more time you give God to pour his power, his energy into your life, to work in your life, the greater power you're going to see from God. You see, there's a lot of folks in Christian circles who think that Christianity is a powerless religion. Oh, that's because you've never given God time to work in your life. 
But if you give God time to work in your life, oh, I promise you, you're going to see the power of God. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. To see a greater display of his power, give him more time. Give him greater opportunity. Give him more room to work in your life. To bear to pass the power of the Holy Ghost at work in you and see the power of God. Daniel and Jessica, will you come and help me please? Now Daniel and Jessica uh, are going to represent speedboats today. One on each side of me here. And we're going to assume for the sake of this illustration that they have the same mass. Means they're the same size, all right? Now you can look at them and you know that Daniel is a lot bigger than Jessica. And I had this conversation with Daniel in the green room this morning. When you're talking about ladies, you have to measure your words. So I'm measuring my words this morning. So we're not going to make Jessica as big as Daniel We're going to make Daniel as small as Jessica. They're the same mass, okay? That's the wise way you do it, guys. Remember that. All right? Remember that. Always guess a woman's rate 50 pounds lighter than she is. Always guess her age 20 years younger than she is. And you'll be golden. So they're speedboats, okay? They both have the potential to do 120 miles an hour. They both have that in them. They can do 120 miles an hour. But look at Jessica. She's wearing high heels. Daniel's wearing flat shoes. I bet if they raced across this auditorium this morning, Daniel would win. Don't you think? No doubt about it. I mean, he could get to 120 miles an hour, lickety split. Probably in 70 seconds, he'd be there. Now, Jessica, on the other hand, even though she's the same mass, has the same power in her, has the same engine. Because of those high heels, it might take her three weeks to get to 120 miles an hour. So here's the point. The more work given time is the result. You can be seated. I'm not going to make them run. I thought about it, but she might fall and break her ankle. What we need to understand is to get to the same speed, it requires work or energy divided by time. Daniel may get there quicker than Jessica does. Here's the application. Some of you have been waiting for years for God to show up in your life. I've come to tell you this morning, today is your day. This is your hour. This is the day that you will experience and see the power of a living God. Oh, don't tell me he doesn't work anymore. Don't tell me miracles are gone. Don't tell me he can't deliver and save. Don't tell me he doesn't still heal. I've come to tell you, if you give him time and allow him to work in your life, you'll find the power of God. You'll find the power of God to bring transformation and change in you. Paul wrote it this way to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. And I'm going to cherry pick these verses. He said, I pray that you may know. What does he want them to know? He wants them to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. What was he saying? He's saying you can know the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I pray that you know. This morning, I pray that before you leave this place, you know the power of God. You give him an opportunity to work in your life and his energy comes to bear and you receive his mighty power. You see, there are folks all around us today who will acknowledge the existence of a creator who will acknowledge the existence of a heavenly father, yet deny his power. 
There are people around us today who will acknowledge the existence of Jesus Christ. He was a good man. He was a great prophet, a good teacher. But they deny his power. I've come to tell you this morning, if you want to experience the power of God, you've got to embrace the Son. You've got to accept the Son. You've got to ask the Son, Jesus Christ, to come into your heart and into your life and bring change in you. Because that is what brings the power of God into our lives. So often, we don't want to give him the time required. We want God to, in an instant, do a work in me. Now, when he saves you, in an instant, he does a work in you. He recreates you. He washes your sins away. He makes you a new creature. But do you understand that from that point forward, it requires time for God to do his work in your life? He wants to transform you day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour. It's not an instant thing for you to become the person God wants you to be. It requires time. You know, several years ago, I think it was about 10 years ago, Yvonne, if I remember right, I had a blood test. My cholesterol came back a little bit high, and my wife went on an absolute terror. My life got turned upside down. By the way, I hate those tests. You know that? Hate them. Suddenly, fried foods were not a part of my diet. Are you kidding me? I grew up on fried foods. I love fried foods. I had fried chicken for breakfast when I was a kid growing up. I love fried foods. She said, no more fried foods. She said, you're going to lay off the donuts. Are you kidding me? Just cut my throat. I'm serious. And then she said, no more bacon and eggs for breakfast. Boy, you're going to eat oatmeal. And she went to the store, and she bought those little packages of oatmeal. You know what I'm talking about? And you rip them open, and you dump them in a bowl, and you put some water in them, and put them in the microwave for one minute. One minute's all it takes. One minute, and my whole health was turned around. Just one minute. You don't believe that, do you? No, I still slip out and get Krispy Kreme every now and then. I asked her this week, I said, so Yvonne, let me ask you a question. I've been eating oatmeal for 10 years, and I hate it, by the way. I do it because I love her, but I hate oatmeal. I eat it every morning because I love you. So let me ask you a question. If you had to get up every morning, and you had to cook that stuff on the stovetop, would I still be eating oatmeal? And she said, no, probably not. Why? Because she didn't want to invest the time to make the work to bring the change in me. Do you all hear what I'm saying? Kind of reminds me of the guy that died and went to heaven. He was a health nut. He always ate healthy. He was, he was kind of like Courtney over there. Didn't touch anything that even resembled. I mean, she, he ate tofu all the time. Can you figure that out? Tofu. Why would you eat tofu? He died and he went to heaven. He was looking around. He said, man, this is so beautiful. If I would have known it was this good, I would have ate bacon and eggs all my life. <laughs> Come on, folks, we need to understand time divided, work divided by time brings the power of God. We have to allow God to do something in us, and it doesn't happen in a moment. It doesn't happen in a moment. So I want you to think about your time. In this culture, time is our greatest commodity. We exchange our time for a paycheck. We exchange our time for entertainment. We exchange our time for hobbies. Time is the most precious commodity you and I have. Yet it's time that God requires to work in our life to reveal his power. 
Do you see what he's saying to us this morning? The same power that raised Christ from the dead will dwell in you when you give God time to work in your life. When you allow God that opportunity to do things in you. See, historically, God has pictured his power through men and women. You can go back to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. You'll find there the story of Caleb. Caleb was one of the original 12 spies who went into the promised land to spy it out and come back with a report. He and Joshua were the only two that said, yeah, we can do this. Let's take it. God's given it to us. The other 10 says it's impossible. And so they wandered 40 years in the wilderness. 45 years have passed since that day. And you can read it in Joshua chapter 14. Joshua goes back, or excuse me, yes, Joshua 14. Caleb goes back to Joshua and he says to Joshua, do you remember what Moses promised to us? He said, Moses promised me that land. So today I've come to stand before you and I've come to say, I've come to collect on the promise. I've come to collect on the promise. Give me what Moses promised to me. And then I love the way he says it in verse 12. I am as strong today as I was 45 years ago. How old was he when he said that? 85 years old. He said, I'm as strong for war today as I was 45 years ago. Give me the land. And don't just give me the land, but give me the land where the giants live. Let me have the mountain where Anakim lives. Oh, come on, somebody needs to hear it. God's power, working overtime in his life, brought about his faith so that he could stand and say, Give me that mountain. I'm ready to take it. You can read the story in 1 Samuel 17 about a teenage boy who was appalled because Goliath was mocking Israel. And he took five rocks, five smooth stones out of a brook, and he went to the mountaintop to face him. The Bible says he slung a stone and he ran towards Goliath and he let it loose and it hit him in the head. He fell and he took his head with a sword. When I read that story, it tells me for years David had been given God time to work in his life. For years, he'd been understanding how the power of God really operated. So when the opportunity came, he received the power, the anointing, the strength, the faith, the courage to do what God had called him to do. You can read it in Daniel chapter 6. It's the story of Daniel, who was a prophet of God. One of those carried captivity out of Jerusalem into Babylon. And he was there serving Nebuchadnezzar the king. And there were 120 governors, Daniel was one of those. The others hated him because he was just a little too religious for them. He prayed way too much. He asked God about everything. So they convinced the king to write a new order that says for the next 30 days, anybody who prays to anyone other than the king is thrown into the lion's den. I like the way it says it in Daniel chapter 6 when Daniel read the order. And he knew it was signed. He went to his room, he opened the windows, and he prayed to the Lord his God. Why? Because time over the energy of God brings the power of God. The king knew he had no, no other alternative but to put him in that lion's den, and so he did. The next morning he yells down to him, Daniel, did your God preserve you? 
And Daniel said, yes, the angel of the Lord shut the mouth of the lions and I am safe. There's nothing wrong. I'm unharmed. Oh, come on. I can almost see it, can't you? I can almost see Gabriel standing over here in the corner of that lion's den. He's got a pair of CT pliers in one hand, a bolt roll of baling wire in the other. And he tied Meshach the mouth of those lions. And Daniel is saying, yeah, God showed up. He tied the mouth of the lions and I'm safe and I'm preserved. God pictured his power throughout the Old Testament. When we look at we see how that works through lives. Does this really work today, people ask? I wanted to tell this story last week, but I didn't have permission. We're still confidential. This week I can tell it. Most of you know we have a daughter who lives in Austin, Texas. She with her husband and four kids. They called me, I guess it was about a week and a half, two weeks ago, after the Austin bomber was captured. Y'all remember that story, right? Blew himself up. She said, Dad, the package that blew up in the FedEx facility south of Austin, between Austin and San Antonio, that package was addressed to our church. It blew up on a Monday morning. Would have been delivered on a Tuesday morning. Mindy and her two littlest kids, Spencer and Harper, were in that church every Tuesday morning. You want to tell me God doesn't hear prayer? You want to tell me God doesn't protect? You want to tell me God's power isn't real? I dare you to take the truth and try to twist it some other way. I serve a powerful God who not only pictures it historically, but who does it in our lives every day. Oh yeah, we're rejoicing. We're giving him praise. God's doing good things. So now fast forward a few hundred years. From Daniel, we move to Jesus Christ. And we know that he was virgin born, conceived of the Holy Spirit. We know he lived 33 and a half years. We know he died. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. We understand all that. But let's look at one place in his ministry. And it's so hard to just choose one place. But one place in his ministry where his power is personified. That's in John chapter 11. You'll find that the Bible says that Jesus and his disciples got a message from Mary and Martha, their dear friend. Lazarus was his dear friend. And the message said, come quickly, Lazarus is sick. Now I want you to catch the implication. They knew Jesus could heal their brother. There was no doubt in their mind he had that power. They understood that. They had seen that. They would experienced it. They had witnessed it. But Jesus didn't immediately go to Bethany. Matter of fact, he was two days away from Bethany. He waited two more days. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to bring a greater revelation of his power to Mary and Martha and Lazarus, those 12 disciples, as well as all, as all of Judaism, and to you and me today. It says he waited before he left. He waited. God, giving, giving God time to work in your life, brings a greater revelation to you and me. Mary and Martha knew that he could heal Lazarus, but they didn't know he could raise him from the dead. They had faith for yesterday's miracle, but they didn't have faith for today's miracle. Oh, I'm talking to somebody in this room this morning. You will stand and you'll say, yes, I've seen God do this, 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 and this, but I don't think God can do that. That's a little bit too big for him. I've come to tell you this morning, the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. And if he did it for someone else, he can do it for you today. His power is effective. He is there. So you read this story. 
They finally go. They finally receive Jesus. And when he shows up, this is what Martha said. If only he had been here sooner. He's already been dead for two days. What did Jesus say? He said, your brother will live again. She said, oh, I know he's going to live. She had her theology right. I know he's going to live again in the resurrection. But this is what Jesus said. No, you don't get it. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And that promises to you and me today as well. He promised her that very thing. The Bible says that Mary was sitting in the house. She wouldn't even come out to meet Jesus. She was ticked off. She had had it. If it only been here two days sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. This wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't be in this mess. She was mad. She was grieving. Matter of fact, she wanted nothing to do with it. It wouldn't even come out of the house. Finally, Jesus said, where did you lay him? And they took him to the graveyard. And then he said... Take the stone away. And then here's Martha again. Lord, don't you get it? He's been dead four days. By now, he already stinks. I love that word picture. And Jesus said, roll the stone away. And then he prayed. He prayed that God's power would be revealed through his life. And then the Bible said, he just said these simple words, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that Lazarus came out bound hand and foot in grave clothes. And he said, loose him and let him go. Oh, I've come to tell you this morning, when you receive the power of God, when you give God time to work in your life and you find his power, he's going to set you free. He's going to set you free. He's going to do a work in your life that will blow your mind because of what he's able to do. See, power equals work over time. And if you won't give God the time, don't expect to see the power. You say, oh, I know where he's going now. He's going to tell us we've got to be in church every week. Listen to me. This is probably the least effective use of your time. Wow, I love the way you're shouting now. Now, don't get me wrong. I want you to come to church. I'd much rather preach to a crowd this size than one half this size. So everybody come back next week, all right? But what I'm telling you is if this is the only time you give God to work in your life, you will never see God's power. You see, you've got to find a time every day. When you open this book, it's called the Bible, the Word of God. And you allow the Word of God by the Holy Spirit to speak into your life, to guide you and direct you. You've got to find a time every day when you spend time with the Father, when you pray, when you talk to Him, when He talks back to you through the Holy Spirit and you receive all that He has for you. If you want the power of God working in your life, then you've got to give Him time to bring His work to pass and see His power. Power is work divided by time. It's really just that simple. You know, going to church is a great thing, and I'm glad you're here. But going to church isn't going to get you there. Going to church isn't going to let you experience what God has for you. Only spending time with Him will cause that to occur. So can I encourage you? Take God off the stopwatch. I gave you five minutes this morning. How much more do you want? Take Him off the stopwatch. Listen, your problem wasn't created in five minutes, and probably it won't be fixed in five minutes. 
So you need to give time for God to work in your life so that you can see the power of God to resolve those issues. But until you determine, God, you have my time. However much is required, I'm going to give it to you. Listen, your kid didn't get in rebellion in five minutes. He isn't going to get out of rebellion in five minutes. You need the power of God in your life to see that happen. Power of God comes through time. Power equals work over time. Tom, come back. If you won't invest the time, you're not going to see the power of God. If you're tired of things being the way they've always been, then isn't it time to give God time to work in your life? If you're looking for change, isn't it time to give God time to work in your life? You say, I believe He's creator of the universe, but that's as far as I go. Did you know that before you were even born, God thought of you? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, God created eternity in your heart. You see, He has set you up. So that he can meet you in this moment of time to show you his grace and his mercy. And so you can watch him work in your life. Back to Lazarus. Jesus said to Martha, where have you laid him? He said, take away the stone. Martha said, he stinks. He's already dead four days. What was she telling him? She was telling him truth. She was telling him facts. Lazarus was dead. He had been dead four days. His body did already start decomposing. He did, in fact, stink. She is just like many of us. She can't see the forest for the trees. She doesn't understand. Right before you, the power of God is present. All you have to do is obey His word. Move the stone so I can speak to Lazarus. Get it out of the way so he can come out of the grave. See, so many of us get hung up on facts. And we get so hung up on the facts, we fail to see the power of God. You say, oh, but you don't know my diagnosis. Nobody lives through this disease. That's a fact. But I've come to tell you, if you will give God time to work in your life, you will see his power. And yes, he is a healing Jesus. Facts may say you're going to die, but I have a word from the Lord. And the word from the Lord is, you shall not die, but live and give him praise forevermore. You may say, my marriage is done. It's shot. It's on the rocks. There's no hope. No way to restore it. That may be the fact. But I've come this morning to tell you, there is a God in heaven who wants to bless you with His grace and with His mercy. Who wants to overwhelm you with His counsel. Who wants to fill you with His truth. He wants to reignite love in your heart. You may be facing the facts, but the truth is, Jesus is greater than your facts. He's able to overcome those things. The fact is, Daniel should have been a lion's dinner. The fact is, Caleb should have been too old, too weak to fight giants. The fact is, David was too young to take down Goliath. But God's not interested in the facts because facts don't scare him. God is interested in you giving him time and allowing him to work in your life so that you can see the power of God displayed on a regular basis. Time to allow God to work in your life. And then last, God's power is promised. Ephesians 1.19, we read it at the beginning of the message. Paul said, I pray that you will know his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. In Romans 8, 11 from the message, it only stands to reason that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing for you that he did for Jesus. See, I'm here to tell you this morning that God is in the room. He's here to work his power in your life to show you he is more than able. Matthew chapter 28, I referred to earlier this morning where the angel of the Lord said to the women, Why you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Luke chapter 24, the angel said, He is risen. Go tell his disciples quickly. He is risen. Now picture this with me. These ladies had followed Jesus. Their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations were tied to him. And they walked to that graveyard this morning, or that morning. They were still in the first stage of grief, and that was denial. This can't be true. How did this happen? This isn't real. If you've ever lost a loved one, you know that feeling, denial. You understand it. That's where they were. And they were incredulous when the angel said, Why seek you the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. What happened? In a moment of time, they skipped all the other stages of grief and they went to joy and happiness. They ran back to the disciples and they said, We have come to tell you, He's no longer dead. He is alive. He is no longer in the grave. He is risen from the dead. Oh, somebody in this room this morning know that your problems... Do not compare to the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. And if he did that, Paul said he'll do it for you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives now in you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It's a power to bring forgiveness. A power to bring restoration. A power to bring renewal. A power to bring hope. A power to bring future. You're in this room this morning. You say, more than anything, I need to know there's a way out of where I'm at. I am really tired of the same things happening again and again and again. I want to receive this power that you've talked about, preacher. I want God to do something in me. This morning, I'm willing to give him my time to work in my life so I can receive his power. Because work divided by time equals power. You're here this morning and you realize that you need Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, to come into your heart, to come into your life, to forgive you and to change you, to transform you. He's going to do that today before you leave this room. That's you. You need Jesus to do that in your life. That's you. Right where you sit, would you simply lift up that hand and say, pray for me, preacher. Pray for me. Yes, sir. Others, you'll join them. That's me. Yes, ma'am. Others, you'll join these. I need Jesus to come to my heart and into my life. I want to receive that kind of power. As a wait just a moment. Others, slip up your hand and say, pray for me. Pray for me. I need Jesus. Stand your feet with me across this room this morning. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. 
Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. 